Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. We're beginning at verse 16. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning at verse 16. We're going to read down to verse 20, and that will uh, complete our uh, reading tonight. Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning at verse 16. Here's what the Bible says. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no right, no share, no legal right or historic claim in Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Might the people of God say amen. Amen. I want to talk tonight with the Holy Spirit's guidance and with your prayers on the subject. We need what we don't want. We need what we don't want. Bow with me for a word, a word of prayer. God, thank you again for this moment. Thank you for the gift of technology that allows us to worship in this space. And though we are separated physically, spiritually, we are connected. God, I pray now that the spirit of God that knows no borders or boundaries, that God, you would meet us in this space and that God, you would transcend the distance and you would speak a word that your people need to hear tonight. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, allow it to be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God, preach through me, to me, and for me. Send a word so your people are edified, but in all things, it's your name that receives the glory. I bless you for the treasure that you've placed in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Punish not your people now for the frailty of your preacher. Allow me to say it the way you want it said. My power is not enough. I need yours. My strength is insufficient. I need you. Have your way tonight. Do what only you can do. Say what only you can say. And we will be careful and intentional to give you glory, honor, praise, and credit, both now and forever. The blessed people of God said, amen. 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 We we need what we don't want. I, I believe 
unequivocally, and I say this without any hesitation or reservation, I believe that God has called each and every one of us to greatness. I do not back up from that assertion. I stand strongly on that premise that God has called. I don't care where you are, where you come from, where you think you might be headed, what challenges you have endured, what obstacles have been placed in your way. It does not matter. I believe, and I think scripture supports it, every one of us, every single one of us are called to greatness. And beloved, that makes sense for me because a great God would never call us to anything less than the standard of himself. Beloved, the story of Nehemiah gives us a glimpse into what that journey can look like. It's a story. When you get some time, you ought to pay attention to it because it's not just the destination where Nehemiah ends up, but it's the journey that really speaks to what it means to live and to follow greatness because that's, that's how we really learn through the, through the journeys. That's how we learn what it takes to live that kind of way. We get introduced to Nehemiah in, of course, Nehemiah chapter 1. And Nehemiah chapter 1, the story of God leading Nehemiah begins there. The Bible tells us that at this time, uh, Nehemiah is not in Jerusalem. No, Nehemiah is in Persia. He is cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. And he, uh, for all intents and purposes, is doing well. He has a good government job there in Persia. He's got a 401k in Persia. He lives in suburban housing in Persia. Things are going pretty well for Nehemiah. He's got a reliable W-2 there in Persia. Life is good for him. Family is straight. But he hears from a excursion that his brothers take back to their homeland in Jerusalem that things are not so well there. He discovers that the city uh, has walls around it that have been burned and torched and the gates are open. Now, why does this mean so much to Nehemiah? It means so much because in the Old Testament cities, uh, walls were important. Walls spoke to not only the safety of the city, but the psyche of the city. The walls were designed to keep the city safe from predators and from those who would come in and loot and steal from the city. But it was also a means of security for the city. They slept better at night when the walls were in place. But with the walls broken down and the gates burned, they now have to guard vigilantly not only uh, uh, what they have, but they've got to maintain it and prevent it from those who would steal and take it from them. It is a scary time in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah gets the report from his brothers that life is not well there. Bible says he hears the news. And for about four months, he prays cries, grieves, and weeps. And during that time, God gives Nehemiah some plans. Nehemiah ends up having a fortuitous conversation with King Artaxerxes, wherein King Artaxerxes asked him, how can I help you? At that moment, Nehemiah, having already done the behind the scenes work, knows what needs to be done. And he makes a daring request for assistance from the king to help rebuild the walls in his home city. The Bible says that King Artaxerxes gives him everything he requests. The story of God leading Nehemiah 
begins in chapter 1. That's where he gets the vision to rebuild the wall. But the story of Nehemiah leading others begins in chapter 2. That's where it goes from just this idea and conceptual reality into this uh, uh, tactical operational strategy. And he's got to step into now this leadership role he's been called to lead in. And you see it in our passage we read tonight, verses 16 through 18. The Bible says Nehemiah takes a trip down to Jerusalem and he shares his vision and, and he shares how God has already helped Secure this pathway and this plan. He talks to city leadership. He talks with the priests and the elders and he shares with them what God has already done. They begin the process of jumping into action what has been set in motion. But in verse 19 and 20, the opponents of the vision are introduced. It's in verses 19 and 20. We meet three folks named Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. I, I want to argue tonight that this is the turning point in Nehemiah's journey to fulfill God's call to greatness. This is where he transitions from private visionary to public leader because public leadership does not begin until people are involved and problems arise. I said it too fast. I'll say it again. I, I said this is a turning point, I believe, in the story for Nehemiah and one that you and I ought to pay attention to tonight because this is where he goes from private visionary, private strategist to now public leadership. It's in public leadership that now he has to lead people and has to navigate problems. Can I tell you, it's really cute. Really cute for you and I to believe that we will have universal support when we start walking out the plans that God has given to us to impact our communities. It's real cute for you and I to think that everybody's going to be on board the moment you say yes to the plan God gave for your life. It's real cute. It's absolutely adorable that you think that nobody will stand in opposition against you when you begin to say yes to the plans God designed for you. I want to tell you tonight that is simply not the reality of the world in which we live. I want to contend tonight there is no leadership without the presence of opposition. Beloved, beloved, there is no leadership, no leadership in your life, in mine, or in the collective world that's going to occur and make any change without the presence of opposition because communities are never constructed without some type of resistance. So tonight, didn't really come to cheer you up. I came to tell you, get used to it. I came to tell you tonight, opposition is not some pesky detail you can avoid. Opposition is not some inconvenient pothole you can simply drive around. Opposition is not some type of net that flies in the wilderness of experience and leadership. No, beloved, opposition is the mandatory down payment for doing transformative work in this world. It is the necessary price of admission for being the leader that God has called you to. It is not a factor to be eliminated. It is a reality to be embraced. Opposition, beloved, is the burden we don't want. But it's the blessing we absolutely need. 
Opposition is the thing you can't stand. But it is the very thing God's going to use to propel you further into what God has called you to be. Opposition is the thing you've been praying God to move out of your way. What you don't know is that you're asking your pathway up the mountain to be slick. You need it to be rough so you got something to grab onto when you're climbing higher and higher. Opposition is the burden you don't want, but it's the blessing you absolutely need. I mean, think about it. Let, 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 let's, let's, let's look at Nehemiah's journey. See, look, look, look at how God has moved so far, heaven and earth, just for Nehemiah to get this far. God gave him vision, passion. To rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. God gave him favor with the king. God got him letters to guarantee his safe passage to and from Jerusalem. God was the one who got his materials to rebuild the wall and even his own crib financed by the king. It was God who got him armed security escorts for the length of his stay. It was God who gave him influence with the Jerusalem leaders so that they could buy into his vision. Can I ask you a question tonight? If God has removed all of these barriers for Nehemiah, then when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the opponents of the vision, show up, why doesn't God just remove them too? I, I, I mean, clearly, we serve a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. Clearly, we serve a God who's able to look into the future as if it's the present and give you the materials needed before you ever get to the place where you need them. Clearly, God has foresight and vision and can see what's coming. If God could do all of that, why didn't God get Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem all the way together? And get them completely out of the pathway. I want to tell you, maybe God didn't do it because God knows something about opposition that you and I better learn. And that is that opposition is a great tool God can use to help make you and I our best for our God. Beloved, that's why God doesn't remove it from Nehemiah's life. But can I, can I mess with you tonight? That, that, that maybe that's why God won't take it out of yours either. Maybe that's why you keep praying for certain things and people to be moved out of the way and they are steadfast and unmovable. Maybe that's why when you ask for God to get certain problems and certain obstacles to become easier or at least to be pushed out of the way, they are like a tree planted by the rivers of water. They shall not be moved. Can I tell you, it might be God saying, I need you to learn something from this experience and you won't grow. You won't develop and you won't be what I've called you to be if I get it out of your way. Opposition is the burden we don't want, but it's the blessing we absolutely need. Your strongest spiritual muscles are built in the gymnasium of opposition. Your, your, your greatest levels of patience come from having to sit in the waiting room of adversity. The greatest pictures of you walking in purpose are developed in the dark rooms of resistance. When we embrace this reality, we become empowered to see opposition in a brand new way. I know it ain't what you want. I came to tell you is exactly what we need. Beloved, we need opposition. Huh? Nehemiah needed opposition. And, 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 and there's some reasons why opposition has to show up in his 
and in our lives tonight. I'll give them to you and I'll be out of your way. You, you need opposition, uh, first of all, because opposition, watch this, tests the integrity of our motives. Opposition is the litmus test of our motives. See, opposition makes you and I clarify the reason behind what we're doing. What you are doing or why you are doing something can be only validated when what you are doing gets hard. Said it too fast. Say it again. Uh, why you are doing something only can really be validated when what you are doing gets difficult. You don't really know why you're doing it until it ain't easy. And you got to dig deeper than the cursory answers we've given ourselves. You don't really know why you're doing what you're doing until you bump into opposition and you've got to pull up the topsoil and go down to the bottom layer of really why you are here. And up to this point, the pathway to building community has been paved with ease, relative ease for Nehemiah. Everything he's requested, God gave it. Every step he's asked for, God has not only supported it, God has funded it. God has subsidized his strategy. Nehemiah hadn't, hadn't had any challenges yet. Things have been going well for him. Everything he prayed for and asked about was given to him. Nehemiah knows clearly that he is working for the good of the people of Jerusalem. He knows this is not a project of self-aggrandizement. He is trying to restore the dignity, the safety, and the security, and the sovereignty of his home city, Jerusalem. He knows why he's there, but, but those same people he's leading can only assume that this is the truth. See, they have no clear evidence that this foreigner now, this Persian upperclassman, this, this Nehemiah is all in for them and for God. They hear what he says, but they don't really know. That is, until Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem show up. It's not until the presence of opposition that Nehemiah can defend and prove that he's really all in. See, Nehemiah's commitment in the face of opposition now becomes the best evidence that his motives are in the right place. Because everybody has a good motive when it don't cost nothing. Where are your motives when there's a sacrifice, a cost of admission that is charged and you got to pay the price to keep going forward? They don't know he's all in, but the opposition proves that he's all in. Can I help you today? I need to pull you to the window real quick. I want to tell you, stop avoiding opposition in your life. Stop running from it every time there are those who don't necessarily agree or jump on immediately to what God has called you to do. Stop getting upset, throwing pity parties and losing your mind, sitting in the fetal position in the bathroom, crying your eyes out just because there are people who don't believe what you believe. Stop running from opposition. 
I'd even tell you, stop asking for God to take it away. Take that off of your prayer list because your response in the midst of the opposition is actually the way that God is going to prove to the world that you can be trusted. God is using your opposition to validate your motives and to prove that you are serious and you are trustworthy. Why would God give you something so great and then not show others you can be trusted to carry it? You need opposition. It's the burden you don't want, but the blessing that we all need because it tests the integrity of our motives. But, 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 but we also need opposition tonight, secondly, because opposition displays the impact of our mission. You, you, need, you need adversity. You need resistance. You need opposition because it uh, thoroughly and clearly displays the impact of our mission. See, see, see sometimes... The powerful way opposition shows up to stop your purpose actually reveals how powerful your purpose really is. Sometimes the presence of those against it actually prove that it is worth being against. So, so sometimes the powerful way that resistance reveals itself actually validates and shows that the purpose you have is more powerful than you even know. See, the presence of opposition in our lives proves that what you're doing really matters. See, 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 when, when, when you walk, when you walk in purpose, when you are intentional about following the plan and the strategy that God has given you, Everything about your opposition becomes a revelation. That God convinces you that God is with you by putting an opposition in front of you that shows you something in you that you don't even recognize. If you were not worth fighting, Nobody and nothing would bother you. If your purpose was not essential and important, the enemy would not waste his time and resources in fighting you. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. The enemy is not. So the enemy has to strategically deploy his resources to the places that provide the greatest threat. If you weren't a threat, you wouldn't be fighting. But because you are, opposition shows up. You think I'm making it up. You got your Bible. Pay attention to who Nehemiah's opposition is tonight. Matter of fact, pay, pay attention in particular to when they show up. Watch the text. Verse 18 says this. So they began the good work. That's verse 18. Verse 19 says this. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem show up. I know. Too fast. Try it again. Verse 18. So they began the good work. Verse 19. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, Show up. 
virtual space. You can't really tell if they're getting it. I got to give you one more time. Uh, verse, verse 18 says, so they began fulfilling the plan and the strategy and the vision God had given. Verse 19, very next verse, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem show up. As soon as progress begins, problems arise. Maybe if there are no problems, it might mean there is no progress. Because problems show up when progress gets started. Stop getting scared. When problems arise on the journey to fulfilling the vision God gave you, because that is often the great indicator that something special, sacred, and spectacular is underway. Watch when they show up, but then watch who they are. Bible says there, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem. And when you read these names, you can't just skip over these names because these names mean something. They have stories attached to them. They have journeys connected. They have motives and intentions and agendas connected to them as well. Bible says, Sanballat first. Sanballat, who is that? San, Sanballat is the governor of Samaria. And, 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 and the governor of Samaria, he, he is the ruler of a neighboring nation and and, and 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 as long as the walls were broken down Sanballat had simple and easy access into Jerusalem he could pimp Jerusalem for its resources he could steal and reshape markers and boundaries of ancient uh, 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 history and ancient possession he had the opportunity to set things in place he's a political leader and now Nehemiah's plans to reestablish the sovereignty of the city is threatening his political authority. So, of course, he got a problem. But it ain't just Sanballat, it's also Tobiah. Tobiah is the governor of Transjordan, another neighboring nation. And, and, and Nehemiah here, uh, uh, his, his, his intentions to rebuild the wall are threatening Tobiah's political influence. Tobiah could decide who was eligible to vote and who was not. Tobiah could redraw and gerrymander lines so that uh, voting gets controlled by a particular population of the group. Tobiah had a political influence that reached and stretched into Jerusalem and he didn't have to, he didn't have to do it the right way. He could mismanage these moments and even utilize and leverage these people. But when the walls go up, it's going to change all of that. So of course Tobiah had a problem. It wasn't just Sanballat and Tobiah with issues. Geshem had a problem too. Now, now, now Sanballat and Tobiah are, are, are simple. They, they are political leaders. They are fighting over land and power and authority. But, but Geshem is different. Geshem is not a politician. Uh, Geshem is an Arabian leader with business ties to Jerusalem. See, 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 see. Uh, uh, Geshem ran a lucrative spice trade that could cut through Jerusalem as long as the walls were down. And, and, and as long as the walls were down and there was no sovereignty over Jerusalem, Tobiah uh, could uh, uh, use the land in Jerusalem, pull resources from that space, not have to pay any taxes, not have to pay any tariffs, not have to owe anything to anybody, could come and go as he pleased. But when the walls go up, now you got to pay 
to use Jerusalem's land. Now you got to pay to use Jerusalem's resources. You can't just skip over places and, and, and cut through how you want to. And when the walls go back up, it's going to bother Geshem. I, I want you to know all three of these fellas got a reason to be protesting the walls. All of the opposition to the walls have been benefiting from the walls being broken. So when the walls are being rebuilt, they are naturally going to fight against that kind of progress. Why? Here's why. Because every purpose that blesses someone is going to bother somebody else. Every purpose that is intended to help and bless a group of people will always bother and mess with somebody else. And it's usually going to bother people who have been using the people you're trying to bless. That's why they got a problem. That's why they are in opposition. That's why from start to finish, they are engaged in resistance. But for me, I want to I help you. You, you. you ought to thank God for that kind of opposition. When, when, when there are people who are bothered by you trying to help others, by you trying to build communities, by you trying to provide resources, and you trying to help and support others, if others are bothered by that, you want that kind of opposition. You, you want that kind of resistance because it means that what you're doing is actually making a difference. It means that what you're engaged in is actually making a, an, an impact. It means that the calling upon your life is bigger than just you. It's actually designed to help, to influence, and to strengthen others. And if you're trying to do that and you ain't got nobody against you, I question whether what you're doing is worth doing. I gotta go. You need opposition. Because uh, it, 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 it displays the impact of our mission. But there, there's, there's one more reason Nehemiah reveals, and, and here it is. Uh, you need opposition because opposition uncovers the inadequacy of our humanity. You, 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 you need it. You need it because it uncovers and reveals for you and I the inadequacy, the incompleteness of our own humanity. Let's be real for a moment. Opposition, one of the reasons we try to avoid it, don't want to deal with it. Would love to skip over it and drive around it because it hurts. It's painful. Opposition can catch you off guard. You thought you had planned out everything. You had put together your PowerPoint presentation and your strategic plan and all of the pieces looked together. The colors were coordinated together. You put little booklets together and all the little tabs fell in line and everything looked amazing on paper. And then somebody was against it. Somebody had the unmitigated gall and audacity to stand against the baby that God had birthed in you. And that thing bothered you. That's why we don't like opposition. It's painful. It can catch us off guard. And it can come from places you never expected. You usually expect somebody or one particular group of people to be against it. But what happens when there's somebody against it that you shared it with early? Somebody against it that you never thought would be against it. 
Oh, I know you're tough. I know you love Jesus. I, I, I know you are committed to the cause. You are down, you know, like, like down, down, like, like you, 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 you all the way down. But, but, but if you would let your soul tell the truth tonight, you would testify opposition is painful. It can catch you off guard, especially when it comes from places you never expected it to come from. But I want to share tonight that even then, opposition can be a blessing in disguise. Here's why. Because when we are hurt, caught off guard, stunned by the presence of opposition, uh, uh, we become more aware of our own inadequacies. We get shocked into remembering that no matter how much power we think we have, we cannot do this alone. I don't care how well thought out your plan is, how much passion you have attached to it, how much you are invested into it. You can't do this kind of work by yourself. You, we need God. If God doesn't breathe on it, it won't come to pass. If God doesn't make it happen, it will never come into fruition. And sometimes we get so caught up on the plan, so caught up on the strategy, that we program God out of it. We think we're smart enough to handle it and we don't need God. We got planning capacity and we forget how to pray. We're so bent on seeing it happen that we think we can lose and use people to make it work. Sometimes opposition has to smack us in the face. So we get shocked back into the reality. This work is not the work for humanity alone. God has to breathe on this thing. For it to happen. We need God. And this is a lesson that Nehemiah learned early in the game. As, as soon as his opposition began to show themselves, Nehemiah leaned on the one who he knew was making it all possible. You got your Bible, you need it. Verse 19, listen to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. The Bible says that when they hear about what Nehemiah is doing, the Bible says they scoff contemptuously at him. Listen to the question they ask. Nehemiah, what are you doing? Are, are, are you rebelling against the king? Now, now this language, this language is important here because they are asking a real uh, important and particularly interesting question. They're asking Nehemiah, uh, is he rebelling against King Artaxerxes? They are asking threateningly if he was going against King Artaxerxes. Now, what they don't know is that not only has King Artaxerxes approved this, but he's subsidizing the whole trip. He's paying for the cedars of Lebanon. He's paying for the security. He provided the materials needed. Now, when Nehemiah bumps into these opponents, Nehemiah easily could have taken this opportunity to show off his connection to King Artaxerxes. 
Oh, you think I'm rebelling a king Artaxerxes? He could have pulled out his cell phone and said, let me call him and let you talk to him. Could have pulled out his Instagram uh, DMs and revealed to him the message thread between him and King Artaxerxes. He could have pulled out, could have pulled out his cash app and showed all the deposits that King Artaxerxes had made into the vision. But that's not what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah doesn't lean on his connection to King Artaxerxes. He leans on his connection to another king. You got your Bible. They asked Nehemiah, are you rebelling against the king? In verse 20, Nehemiah says, the God of heaven is the one who will help us. See, the presence of opposition has increased his reliance upon God who has begun the good work. Beloved, maybe, maybe that's the reason why the opposition in our lives sticks around longer than we want it to. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's why when we think it's gone, it returns again. Every time you think you have won one battle and you don't have to deal with the adversity again, it shows up in another way, at another level, and reveals itself yet again. Could it be that God keeps it around so that we'll see that we can't trust ourselves only? And we have to trust God. Beloved, if we're honest tonight, I mean, if we tell the truth like the real truth, it, 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 was, it was some of the opposition in our lives that actually made us know God better in the first place. Tell the truth. You wouldn't have the prayer life you got now if it wasn't for the opposition you had to wrestle with in the last season. To tell the truth tonight, you, you wouldn't study the word the way you do now if you didn't have the kind of opposition you had at your last level. You learn how to love more because of the opposition you face. You learn how to forgive more because of the opposition you had to deal with. You learn how to worship better and from a deeper, more authentic place because opposition pushed you to the place where you had to lift your hands and say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. You, you and I, all of us, need opposition. I gotta go. I got some bad news and some good news tonight. Bad news is, Opposition will come whether you ask for it or not. It's going to show up. Opposition is never late for class. It's present every single day. Turns in all of its work on time, sometimes early. Gets exempted from the exam and shows up to take it anyway. Opposition will come. And you can't do this kind of work without it. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. When opposition comes, it's going to work for you. Bad news is, it's going to come and you can't work without it. But the good news is, when it comes, it will always work for you. Opposition is the burden you want, you don't want, but it's the blessing we absolutely need. Nehemiah ends up using the opposition from Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem to push him into completion of the project. Bible says, 
52 days later, the wall is built and completed and everybody including the opposition had to say God did this thing that's because God has a way taking what was designed to work against you and making it work for you God has a way of taking the things that were designed to assassinate you and making them your personal assistance God has a way of taking the things that were meant to torment you and to torture you and use them to turn things in your favor if we were in a full sanctuary tonight I'd ask you a question is there anybody here that can testify that is the story of my life God has used exactly what was designed against me to push me into the purpose and the plan God has for my life. That's not only Nehemiah's story, that's the Savior's story too. It is Jesus who is betrayed by one of his best friends, but the betrayal ends up pushing him into the purpose and the plan God has for his life. Yes, he dies on Friday, but early Sunday morning, he gets up with all power power in his hand and he proves that even the stuff against me God can use it to work for me so I've learned in my life to thank God for my mountains and to thank God for my valleys I've learned to thank him for the storms that he's brought me through I've learned that if I never had a problem then I wouldn't know God could solve them and I wouldn't know what faith in God is able to do I've learned that through it all through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus and I've learned to trust in God regardless of what comes my way God promises that all things will work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose if you believe that tonight right where you are lift your hands open up your mouth and give God a praise in this house in your house to let the devil know that whatever he tried is still working for my good God's got a way of taking what was supposed to hurt us and turning it into something that will help us but if you opt out when it starts hurting you'll never graduate to the place where it helps talk to somebody tonight don't you dare quit because they decided to stop being your friend but you dare give up because things didn't go your way and opposition you didn't expect it revealed its ugly head. Don't you dare abort the plan and the strategy God has for you simply because adversity and resistance begin to show itself strong. I'm telling you, you don't want it, but you need it. One of the things that has kept me sane during this pandemic is working out. It's kept me sane. It's kept me sane. It's, it's, it's kept me together. There were times I didn't know how to get the stress out of my body and working out helped me get there. But working out is a strange phenomenon, especially when you lift weights. It's a strange Phenomenon, because you are trying to build muscle, you are trying to gain elasticity, flexibility, and strength. But the way you do it is almost oppositional. Because you get under the bench, 
And there is weight placed on the bar. And your job is to take the weight and to push it. But the nature of the weight is to work against you. It weighs down. Gravity allows the weight to push against your natural reflexes. And when you start, it hurts. But if you keep pushing, if you work with the resistance, if you learn how to get your breathing together and and learn to get your correct form, the resistance that's pushing against you will actually work for you. You'll get up and look in the mirror and you'll discover muscles in places you didn't see before. Discover things beginning to trim and slim in spots you didn't even know were working. And you never would have gotten there if it wasn't for the resistance. God doesn't send resistance or allow resistance to show up to hurt us. God sends it to help us. We don't want it, but we need it. I want to pray with you tonight that you won't quit. That you won't let isolation and sometimes even the loneliness of leadership cause you to pull back I want to pray that you'll keep going forward I want to pray that you'll walk into all that God has for you and you will get there helped by the things that were sent against you Father in Jesus name I lift to you tonight, your people, and I pray in that name that you'll remind each and every one of us that you are up to something in our lives, and it's beyond anything we could ever imagine or even understand. Help us to see that you are using every single piece of our experience to shape something within us and to pull something out of us that we didn't even know was there. God, it's a strange prayer, but tonight we pray, thank you for opposition. It's the burden we never would have prayed for, but it's the blessing we absolutely need. Opposition taught us how to know you better. Opposition showed us that you saw more in us than we saw in ourselves. Now, Lord, in this season of resistance, teach us patience teach us consistency teach us how to show up when it hurts teach us how to be present when we don't feel like it teach us how to lift that weight and trust that you are using it to build us not break us teach us that all things really do work together For the good of them who love the Lord, accord according to your purpose. We ask it in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute 
If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.